Does anybody remember my fourfold challenge that I gave a few months ago? And these are things that I want you to be reminded of and for all of us to work on as a church. Number one, you remember the fourfold challenge? Number one, each one. Come on, I want you to say it like you do believe it. Say each one. Each one, reach one. Say it again. Each one, reach one. So the first thing I'm challenging you to do is to invite somebody to church. You say, well, pastor, I did, but they, they haven't showed up. Well, guess what? There are 7 billion people in the world. Try again. Did you all hear what I said? Try again. You're not quitters. I said, you're not quitters. So how many say, Pastor, I'm going to try again and invite somebody to church? Okay, thank God for five people. I said, how many say, Pastor, I'm going to invite somebody to church? Amen. Do you know that 85% of people that come to church is because somebody invited them? So invite somebody to church. All right. And guess what? In three weeks, we're going to have a special service. It's called Back to School Sunday. All right? That's August the 8th. Everybody shout August 8th. Come on. At 10 o'clock, we're going to have Back to School Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean you stay home, all right? We're going to have a church service. At the end of the church service at 12 o'clock, we're inviting the community to come to this church. We're going to give free haircuts. We're going to give free coats. We have a hundred brand new coats that was that we bought from the uh, uh, discount place, and we have a hundred, I think maybe 120, something like that, brand new coats that we're going to give out to the first hundred kids that come, and then we're going to give free school supplies, and then we'll have lunch. So they get a free lunch, free haircut free coats, and free school supplies. And that will be on August the 8th, a few days before school starts here in Galena. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to invite somebody to church. How many would agree with me? So everybody shout August 8th. Come on, shout it August 8th. Back to school Sunday. Everybody say free haircuts, free food free coats, and free school supplies. And it starts at 12 o'clock. So we'll have church. And then right when church is over, that means i got to be, it can't be long-winded. So they're going to come to the foyer. And in the foyer, we're going to have everything set up. I think we're going to use the sanctuary for people to come in and get their free coats. And we need you to help us to volunteer. And we're going to have some volunteer sheets for you to sign up next Sunday. But I want you to be in prayer for it. And at the end of the service, if you would like to donate to help us buy back-to-school supplies, we already have the coats, then you could just make the check to the church, and we'll, we'll go and get the supplies for you, all right? And if you don't have it today, if you want to give it next Sunday or the Sunday after, you're welcome to do that. But we want you to be missional with us. So everybody say, each one, reach one. What was the second thing I asked you to do? Follow me culture. That means if somebody doesn't know where the kids' ministry is, you take them there. If they don't know where the next step booth is, the red booth in the foyer, you take the guests there. If we're having Discover Christ Point the first Sunday of every month and they need somebody to go, you take them with them. In other words, you take ownership. When you meet somebody in the foyer or meet somebody in the parking lot, you befriend them. You shake their hand. You introduce yourself. Let's create a culture where everything's not dependent on Pastor Josh or the pastoral staff or ushers, but that all of us take ownership. Can I hear an amen? The third thing is be intentional about your giving. Your checkbook indicates if money is an idol to you, if you worship money. Let's put God first. He's requiring 10%. Let's give 10% and then above that is an offering. Listen, you don't get blessed for tithing. It already belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. 
He can take your job. He can take it from you. So tithing is a proper perspective that God is number one. And the reason I have my job is because God has blessed me with a job. And my job is not my source. My job is a resource. And God is my source. So when we tithe, what are we saying? We are saying my perspective about money is right. Money doesn't control me. Money is not my king. I don't worship money. Everything I have belongs to God. And when I give my tithe to the Lord, I am saying that money is not my God. It's not my source. He is my source, and I trust the Lord. So, what comes first? The car payment or the tithe check? The tithe check because the car belongs to God. He can take it. Right? You say, well, pastor, I get uncomfortable when you preach about money. I hardly ever preach about money. But I'm telling you, in order for us to grow as Christians, one of the things that Jesus talks about more than heaven and hell is where you put your money. Where, where do you put your money at? Is, is it a God that you worship? You see, if I brought a statue up here of the Virgin Mary and asked you to bow down and bring incense to it, you would think I was crazy. But some of us worship our cars and our houses, and we worship our paycheck, we worship sex, we worship porn. You know, there's a whole list of things that we worship. And so I'm asking you, let's put God first. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't have it. That's the purpose of tithing, is to trust the Lord. That's the purpose of it. If you don't have it, that's the purpose of it, is do you have the heart to trust the Lord to put God first? It's easy when you have a bank full of money and you tithe, of course. But can you do it when you don't have it? Because what you're saying is God's number one and I put him number one. Is this all right? Somebody say amen. And, and the fourth thing is I've asked you to read the Bible. Now, isn't that crazy that a Christian pastor of a Christian church who pastors a church would ask his parishioners to read their holy book? Isn't that a revolution, revolutionary concept that I'm asking you to read the Bible? I'm asking, you've got a smartphone. Get the phone out. Let the Bible read to you. Let, let it read. If you don't like to read it, let the Bible read to you. Get the Word of God in you so your mindset can change, so your desires can change, and thus your behavior can change. So get the Bible in you. Listen, trash in. Trash. Trash in the ears. Trash comes out of the... Trash in the mouth comes out of the hand. Whatever you feel will spill. So if you don't put the Bible in you, the Bible ain't going to come out of you. If there's... If there's nastiness in you, it's going to come out. Because whatever's in you is going to come out. So I'm asking you, put the Bible in you. Get your smartphone. Get the Bible. Let's listen. If you read five chapters a day, five chapters a week, excuse me, in the New Testament, five chapters a week, by the end of the year, you would have read the New Testament. I asked you last year to read the whole Bible. This year, I'm asking you to read the New Testament. And I'm going over these things to help you grow. Listen, if I didn't love Jesus and I didn't love you, I wouldn't get up here to challenge you. You say, well, pastor, all you want is my money. No, I don't because nobody at this church is getting rich. I want you to grow. I've done it all my life and I've seen God. How many tithers are in the building that can testify you know God works? So it's, so, so it's not about that. It's about you growing. I want us to grow in our time, talent, and resource. I want you to be students of the Word. I want you to be missional and invite somebody to church because they're not going to come unless you invite them. And if they say no, you invite somebody else. I'm asking you to come along on the journey with me. Now, the reason I'm saying this, and I'm sharing my heart with you because I think it's important that as your pastor, I take time to share my heart with you and to be honest and real and open. 
You see, I've discovered that churches want a pastor who is real and not always right. Churches want pastors who are real and not always right. So I'm not always right, believe me. I have, I'm so broken. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I'm telling you, I know myself. I know my flaws. I know my brokenness. You know, when Isaiah was in the temple, he said, woe is me. Well, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then the Bible says he went to the nation and said, woe is you. Before I take this microphone and tell you to tithe and tell you to reach somebody and tell you, I've got to do it myself. I'm, I have to do it. I can't be a hypocrite in it. I've got, got to be the living message. I've got to be an example to you. And I'm sharing my heart with you because I love you more than you think I love you. And I want you to grow. I want you to be a strong Christian. I want your time and your talent and your resources to magnify God. We live in a world that's corrupted and polluted by political agendas and racism. You name it, we're divided. And as a church, we got to come together with one mission and one heart to produce one movement. And so my heart is for you and my heart is for this church. And as a pastor, because one of the things in Scripture, a pastor is a father. You know, Paul said you got a lot of instructors, but you got few fathers. And a true father is going to tell their children, listen, these are some things we can do to work together and work on together. I'm not saying these things to make you feel bad or to manipulate you to do any of those things. I'm challenging you and encouraging you as a church to come alongside with me and help me do these things. You see, we don't, thank you, we don't, we don't, we don't do these things to try to get God's favor. We do these things because our heart is for God and for His church. I'm asking you this week to let the Spirit deal with your heart. That if you're not a tither, that you put 10% of what you make and you say, this month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful. And I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm going to test the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to put Him to test. He said to prove me, says the Lord. That if you bring your tithe and offering to the Lord, the Bible says I'll open the windows of heaven. I want you to bring somebody to church with you. And if, if you're a Christian, I want you to be faithful to the house of God. If you're a leader of this church, you need to be faithful. If you're committed to serve somewhere in this church, you need to be faithful to do it. I'm asking you to come up a notch. I'm asking you to put your heart into it. Because listen, your feet only does what your heart does. I'm asking you, to, let's be missional together and be faithful together. You may not need church, but maybe somebody else does. But in reality, you do need church because we all need community. We're not called to be on an island by ourselves. We're called to come together. Again, I'm not saying these things to manipulate you or make you feel bad. I love you so much. I'm asking you to come with me and let's do this together. I'm doing it and I want you to do it with me. I believe that the greatest days of this church is ahead. I don't believe they're behind us. Now, I'm not blind to the fact that we have been in a worldwide pandemic, but I do not want a pandemic to define Christ Point Church. Do, did you hear me? I don't want a pandemic to define Christ Point Church. Now, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. The last two years, it's been different. It's been different in this church, and it certainly has been different worldwide. I went to General Convention of the Pentecostal Church of God uh, a month ago, and I heard countless stories of churches closing. I've heard countless stories of churches struggling, and I heard countless stories of churches are half of what they used to be. As I sat there and heard stories and listened to pastors' hearts, I stood there in the foyer and, I don't know, shook thousands of people's hands and, you know, high-fived them, and had conversations and heard pastors' hearts. My heart went out to them. And as I got in the car with Pastor Lewis, I discovered, you know, we really don't have it that bad here at Christ Point. There's things that we need to improve. But I do want you to know that 
the pandemic has affected every church, number one. Number two, I know this, and you should know this, that as churches progress, there'll be some people that will decide they want to go to a different church. And I want you to know that that's okay. Now, a pastor doesn't want to lose people. We never want to lose people. But you have to understand that as life progresses, people progress. And sometimes people want to go to a different church. And that's okay. But I want this church to know that this church is never in a competition with any church in the region. Never. We don't have that heart. You know why I don't have that heart? Because that's not a biblical heart to have. Number one, we, we're not in competition with any church. Number two, we don't compare with other churches because this DNA is different than other churches. I will minister to people that can't be ministered somewhere else. This is where the Lord speaks to them at and vice versa. And we're okay with that. Churches is like restaurants. And I know that some people will hop, skip, and jump to churches, and that's fine. That's what they have to deal with. But here at this church, we're not going to have a competitive spirit. We're not going to, we're not going to compare ourselves. What, I tell you what we are going to do. We're going to stand up in faith, and we're going to bless every church that's preaching the gospel because we're not in competition with family members. We love our family. Did you hear me? We love our family. We're not in competition with any church. We love our family. We don't compare. We bless churches. We love churches. And listen, the last thing I want to say is Pastor Josh loves you more than you think. And I was praying last night. And my heart and my dream is for this church. I feel called to this place. And I feel called to be the pastor here. And I know that in myself that growing pastors produce growing churches. And I know that if my staff would agree and I would agree, all of us have areas to grow in. And I want to keep that perspective. I want, I want to have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset says this, we're not good like other people. But a growth mindset says this, we're not good yet. You see the difference? One mindset says we can never do it. But another mindset says we can't do it yet, but we will. You see what I'm saying? One mindset, one mindset says We'll never reach the goal. And the other mindset says, well, we got to get better before we get bigger. One mindset says, I don't know what God's doing. And another mindset says, I don't know what God's doing, but I know that the end result is always going to glorify and praise him. You know, so I am saying to you as your pastor, as this church and other churches goes through a transition. There are some people that has never come back. Some people have never come back to serve the Lord. And as a pastor, that grieves me, but I pray for them. You know, some, some people are not faithful during the pandemic, or right now some people are not faithful, and that discourages me sometimes. But I want you to know that I need you here. Your presence shows me your support. I'm asking you to be faithful to church. I'm asking you to be faithful. I'm asking you, let's be faithful with our giving. Let's be faithful with Bible reading. Let's be faithful inviting somebody to church. Let's be supportive with our words and our mindset. Let's speak life. When we come to church, let's believe for the impossible. I believe in a God that can do the impossible. I believe in a God that can do far above what we could ever ask and dream. I believe that God is a God that can give us 12 baskets full left over. 
I believe that God can blow our minds. I believe that the future is better than our past. I believe that God has given me a strong group of people who believe in the mission of this church, that we want to grow in our head and we want to grow in our hearts. We want to grow with our hands and we want to grow in our feet and that God has empowered us with a purpose and a mission here in Galena. I'm asking you, listen, God has a plan and purpose for Christ Point here in Galena. Galena has broken people in it. People drive to the city of Galena and see this big church. We can't reach everyone, but we could reach somebody. We could reach somebody. You see, some things don't happen overnight, but they can happen over time. There's a difference between seed and speed. Sometimes we want to speed things up. But God says, I'm more concerned about the seeds that you're planting every day. I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord that God is with Christ Point Church. And I'm asking you, I need you to come alongside with me and let's build a church for the glory of God. I know, I know we could say, Pastor, boy, if we could change this, this would be better. And you know, I wrestle with stuff. Lots of things in my own life, physically, needs to change. You know, I need to eat better. You know, How many would say amen to that? I need to exercise more. I know that. Nobody has to tell me that. And even with every church and organization, there's always things we could grow at. And I'm a, I realize that. I have a prayer life. I really do love the Lord. I really want to please Him. And my heart's desire is that I want to be more concerned about people growing in Christ. And God will take care of the numbers in this pandemic. And God will take care of everything else. He will. He will. He will. I was praying a few weeks ago. Kind of felt three or four weeks ago, I was kind of discouraged and, you know, praying. And I was asking the Lord to, you know, speak to me, give me a sign. I said, Lord, I know I'm fleshly and I'm asking for a sign. So I'm fleshly. So forgive me for asking for a sign. I went to the office on Monday, and the secretary came to me and said, uh, Pastor, um, you know, somebody wrote a $10,000 check in the offering. I said, what? Really? She said, yeah, but that's just one check that doesn't include all the others that came in. So I went back to my office, and I was praying. The Lord said to me, he said, this is just a token thrown out to you to let you know that you're in the right place at the right time, that I'm your supplier, I'm your source, I'm anointed you, I'm going with you, I'm going forward, I'm blessing you, I'm keeping you, I'm with you, and no devil in hell can stop it. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, it shall be condemned. Can somebody bless the Lord today? I'm telling you that God is with us. Now, why am I having this talk with you today? Well, I'm having this talk with you because I'm your pastor. And I love you. And I want you to grow. And I also want you to know that I'm not oblivious that we are in a pandemic. And yes, we went through a transition here at this church. New people coming, some people going here, some people quit going to church. You know, there's just a list of things. You know, I see that, you see that. But I also want you to know that as your pastor, I'm committed and I love you and God's hand is on us and we're going to grow a church for Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? And I'm asking you to be faithful. Seriously. 
on Wednesday nights. It's very slim. I'm asking, let's, can we be faithful? Let's be faithful to Christ. Let's be faithful to His church. Some of you live far away. I don't expect you to drive an hour to come on the weekdays. That's fine. Thank God you come here on Sundays. I don't expect that. But people who just live right around the corner, let's be faithful. Let's be supportive. Amen? If you're not working or sick or not suspecting that you're sick, let's be faithful. I know this is a revolutionary concept, but if I was a teacher, I would require my students to be faithful or they would fail. If I was a general in the army, I would require my soldiers to be faithful. And you should not get mad at Pastor Josh for asking you as a Christian to be faithful to God's house. Is that all right? That our mindset has to change. That we should miss things to go to church and we should not miss church to go to things. It's, it's not, let me see, if, let me do these things and I can't make it to church. No, 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 no. I can't do that today because I'm going to church. If I have guests coming in, you stay at my house and I'll meet you after church or you can go with me. Let's change the mindset and be faithful. I'm preaching real good, aren't I? I mean, this is, are y'all with me? And I, I, know, I know that you may not have the same values as I do. But I do know that if we slack, then the next generation is going to slack even more. Did you hear me? If I slack, the next generation is going to slack. So I'm a leader. You know, you know, what, you know, what's, you know what's really profound? People say, boy, I'm going on a missions trip. And they're pretty awesome. But going on mission trips are not going to change the world. Do you know what speaks louder than a missions trip? A man and a woman being faithful and consistent for years and being solid pillars of the church, being mothers and fathers to the younger generation. That's what speaks. That, that's, that, that's what really speaks. I don't remember all the mission trips I've been on. I remember some of them, some, but those people are not going to remember me. You're going to remember me because we go to church together. I'm your pastor. And that's why I'm saying a follow me culture. Some of you women can mentor some of the younger women. You say, but pastor, how can I do that? Maybe take them out to eat and say, I see something in you. I believe in you. I love you. Some of you men. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know what to do in the church. I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you, be a father to someone. Take somebody under your wing. Say, well, Pastor, I don't have the education like you do. It's not about education. It's about purpose and love. You say, I don't know what to do with my life. What am I supposed to do in this church? I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you, be missional. Invite somebody to church. I'm asking you to be a mother and father to someone. Invest your life. It changes your life when you start to pour yourself into people. I am a product of somebody that just believed in me. A 16-year-old boy that came from a broken family. And one man looked at me and said to me, I believe in you. I want to mentor you. And he took me under his wing. For years, he spoke into my life and believed in me. I'm a product of somebody doing that. And that's why I take people under my wing like Pastor Lewis and Pastor Sean. And take people in my, and just speak life to them and believe in them. Other people may not believe. They may not see their potential. But as a father... I see things in my children that nobody else sees. See what I'm saying? Life 
is not meant to be lived for ourselves. Life was meant to be lived for other people. Everything in life was created to give. Even the makeup of the male body was to give to the woman so she could conceive. And her body was to give to the world a child. Everything was created to give. Nothing was created to be selfish. Nothing. And as a Christian, we were created. Everything we do is to live for God and other people. Even though they hurt us and they misunderstand us, that's where character and integrity comes in. I'm able to be strong in the midst of my hurt. I'm able to minister to people in the midst of my misery. And you know what's really interesting? Is that there are laws that govern the world. Isn't that right? All types of laws. The law of gravity. You know, it governs the world. What comes up must come down. Is that right? Another law. I breathe in oxygen and I breathe out carbon dioxide. The law of reproduction. If you do certain things, you might have a child. God had nothing to do with it. Because it's the law of reproduction. The law of seed time and harvest, that if I plant beans, I'm not going to get bananas. I'm going to get beans. There are certain laws that it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, it's still going to work. Now, you could get mad at the law of gravity and go to the Empire State Building and say to the gravity, I hate you, gravity. I despise you, gravity. I'm going to show you who's boss. And I bet if you jump off the entire Empire State Building, they're going to be cleaning you up in a few minutes. Because it really doesn't matter if you believe in the laws or not. The laws are in effect because God created them. Now, let me ask you a question. If there are laws in the universe, don't you think if there's natural laws, there's also spiritual laws? How many would agree with that? If there is natural laws, there is also spiritual laws. Would you agree with that? And what is the spiritual laws in Scripture? One of the primary spiritual laws in Scripture is sowing and reaping. Remember what the Bible says? That whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. The Scripture will be behind me. He says, whatever a man sows, it's the law of whatever. Think about that. The law of whatever. That whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Now Paul says here, you don't need to be deceived. God's not mocked. Now the Greek word for mocked here carries the idea and picture of somebody putting their nose up in the air and not taking things seriously. So Paul is saying here, don't be deceived. Don't roll your eyes. Don't throw your nose up in the air and say, I'm not going to take this seriously. For Paul is saying, this is a serious matter. That whatever you sow, you shall also reap. It's the law of causality. Do you know what causality teaches us? That with every effect, there is a cause. And with every cause, there is an effect. So if there are laws in the universe, the law of gravity, there's the law of reproduction, there's the, you know, what comes in must go out, what goes up must come down, there's also laws in the spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, that law is called sowing and reaping. And Paul is very, very firm here saying, 
to these Christians. They're not unbelievers. They're Christians. And he's telling these Christians, listen, you've got to be careful to take this seriously. Don't put your nose up in the air and think that this is not serious. This is serious. That whatever you sow, you will reap. Now, in the context here, in Galatians chapter 5, or excuse me, Galatians 6 verse 1, the context is about a brother, a Christian sinning. Brethren, if anyone is overtaken by a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. The context of this passage Paul is speaking about is somebody, a Christian, fallen into sin. And Paul was saying, hold on, don't be deceived, my brother. What happened to him can happen to you. Don't put your nose up in the air and think it will never happen to you. It can happen to you. You know what else he's saying? But he, he goes back to verse number 7, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, and Paul makes a transition here. He's talking about a brother who is sinning, and he's saying you've got to be careful. Don't mock this. Don't be deceived. Whatever happened to your brother, it could happen to you. But then he says, God's not mocked for whatever. He changes the context. And says, I'm not speaking about the brother anymore that's sinning. Now I want you to know, whatever you do in life, whatever you sow in life, you can reap it. It will come back to you. It's a spiritual law. It's causality. It's whatever the effect is, there's a cause for. And whatever the cause is, there's an effect for. He says, you've got to wake up and see that it's the law of whatever. The law of whatever. Paul is saying, I'm not talking about your brother sinning any longer. Yes, that could happen to you. You could reap that later in your life. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whatever now. And as I think about the law of whatever, I want you to be reminded that everything you do as a Christian is a seed. As I read my Bible every week, I'm not asking you to do it just to do it. I'm telling you that whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. That if you can get the Word of God on the inside of you, if you can sow it on the inside of you, you will reap the benefits of the Word of God. That when you are faithful with your tithe and your offering, you will reap what you have sown. That when you are faithful, whatever each one, reach one, you will reap. You say, Pastor, how would I reap in that? Because there might come a time in your life that your son and your daughter needs to be reached. But because you have been faithful sowing seeds and reaching other people, God's saying, in the end, I'm going to make sure somebody reaches your... Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Don't turn your nose up. Don't take... Don't... Act like this is not serious, he says. In other words, Paul is saying this, the law, the spiritual law of sowing and reaping is simply this, whatever you sow, you'll reap. If you sow potatoes, you will reap potatoes. The harvest comes because you have planted. Get this. The physical will not become visible unless you do something consistently. And when you do it consistently, you will eventually see the benefits of it. So the harvest comes because you have been faithful to plant. Now, let me say this. You can't show up to church on Sunday morning and tithe for the first time, get saved, raise your hands, leave the church, and quit two weeks later and say this, well, I tried it and it didn't work. 
It doesn't work like that, my friends. You have to continue to plant seed because the harvest is a result of being consistent in sowing and watering the seed until eventually you see the benefit. And sometimes you won't see the benefit for a while, but that's when faith and trust should kick in and you should continue to do it even in the face of nothingness. Can somebody say amen? In other words, Naaman's body, listen to this, Naaman's body in the Old Testament was healed on the seventh dip in the Jordan River. But his heart was being transformed on the first dip when he set his entitled ways and humbly said yes to the prophet's instruction. In other words, transformation is possible even when healing takes a while to manifest. Did you all hear me? That it's the consistent sowing of seed in the face of nothingness. It's eating right for two weeks and you see nothing on the scales. But you don't give up. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over until there is a breakthrough. It's the same concept in the spiritual world. And the reason that most Christians live a defeated life is because we do not know how to be consistent in the face of nothingness and we become discouraged because we don't see the results when we think we should see the results. But that's not a spiritual law. The spiritual law is you've got to be faithful in planting and watering even when you don't see anything because if you keep doing it, you will see a tangible result in the harvest. You will see it. You may start tithing, and see nothing for a year, and you may struggle. But you've got to be faithful because that's where trust comes in. That's where faith comes in. You may invite 10 people and they all say no, but faith and trust says, I'm not giving up. It's not about speed, it's about seed. I'm planting some seeds. I'm planting some seeds. The harvest is a reflection of your seed. People come to church and say, I want this, I want this, I want this. And yet for 30 years, they've been planting the wrong seed. You cannot plant the wrong, you cannot plant seeds and expect a harvest of blessing if the seeds you've been planting is of the flesh. And it's the same way in the spiritual world and spiritual growth. If you want to grow spiritually, it takes time. Because your body is composed of body, soul, and spirit. When you got saved, your soul did not get saved. People say, boy, their soul got saved. That's no, their soul did not get saved. Their spirit is saved. The soul is being saved right now in the present. And the body will be glorified in the end. In other words, your spirit is saved. That's history. My soul is being saved. That's the present. And my body will be saved. That's the future. Your soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's being saved right now. Your spirit is already saved. The body shall be saved in the end. So when, get this, when you get saved, when you get saved, let me just use an illustration. Let's use the illustration of a Toyota manufacturing car company that produces thousands of cars a day. Let's suppose the Toyota company was shut down, but that does not take care of the thousands of cars they have already produced. In other words, when you get saved, when you come to Christ and you get saved, God shuts down the Toyota manufacturing system. 
He shuts down the sin nature in your life, but you still have to deal with the cars that's still in your soul. Even though the manufacturing company is shut down, you still have to deal with the cars. And even though when you get saved, the manufacturing company is shut down, but you still have to deal with the cars. Y'all with me? I said, y'all with me? And the cars are fueled by fuel. And the cars that's in your soul is fueled by your passions and your desires. So if you want to change your life, you change your appetite and your desires so that you don't constantly fill up the cars that's in your soul. The manufacturing company is already shut down. The sin nature is already shut down, but you still have to you still have cars that's on the road and you cannot continue to feed the cars fuel for it to go anymore. In order for you to take a step in the spiritual world, you've got to change your desires and your passions and refuse to put the cars on the road and change the way you think. Your appetite, what you put in your mind fuels your appetite and whatever fuels your appetite fuels your behavior. That's why I'm asking you, get the Bible in you. That's why I'm asking you, got a cell phone? Listen to it as you're on your way to work. It's really sad that pastor has to ask people to read the Bible. You know how sad that is? But George Barna did a research three years ago and said 83% of Christians don't read that the majority of Christians, the only time they hear the Bible is when they go to church. So if that's true, I'm asking you to sow the Word in your life. You see, in closing, if the manufacturing company is shut down, which is the what? Sin nature. You don't have to sin. But that doesn't that doesn't do away with the cards that's already created. You still got to deal with the after effects of sin. And how do I change the after effects of sin? You got to be careful how you fuel it. In order for the car, in order for the car to stop running, don't put fuel in it. And what is the fuel? The fuel is your desires. The reason that I look at this and do this and say this is because I have a desire to do it. So in order to change walking in the flesh, you've got to change your desires. That's what fuels the cars. You don't have to do it. You don't have to sin. Remember, the company is shut down. But you've still got to deal with the cars that's on the road. And they are fueled by gas. They're fueled by desires. Those cars are running in your life, and they're fueled by desires. Fueled by porn. Fueled by gluttony, fueled by gossip and slander. And the more that we have a desire for it, the more that we look at it, the more that we participate in it, the stronger the desire is and it keeps running in our life. And the more we sow to it, it's coming back to us. So as Christians, we live lives of defeat. We live lives that's miserable. Because the spiritual law is this, that whatever I sow, that means my words is a seed. My actions is a seed. The way you treat people is a seed. You're, when you walk in this building, you are sowing seeds. You're either sowing a seed of this. This is what we're doing. Here am I, or there you are. That's a seed. We're either giving off the impression that we're warm and friendly and we want you to be a part of our life or we're putting walls up. That's a seed. Everything we do, it's the law of whatever because everything in life is important. The way we treat our spouses and the way we treat our co-worker and the way we treat our kids, the way 
It doesn't matter. Whatever, it's a seed. Keep planting it, it's going to come back to you. But the bottom line is, is that you don't have to continue to do that. The bottom line is, is there is redemption. You can reverse the sowing of the seed. Now, this is interesting. If the law of gravity can't be changed, remember my illustration, you can go to the Empire State Building and say, I don't like you, gravity. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in it. It's still true. Whatever come, whatever's up must come down. It doesn't matter if you believe in it. It's still, it's still going to work. It doesn't change the concept. But this is what's interesting. As a Christian, there are laws. Remember, the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Sometimes we have sown to the flesh. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that he that sows to the flesh reaps corruption. In other words, whatever I sow in the flesh, it's going to decay. But those who walk in the Spirit is life. So if I sow to the flesh, it's going to come back corruption and death. How much death do you have in your life versus in how much life you have? Because if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 13. It indicates to us that there are two fields that you can sow in. You can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the Spirit. Now, it's interesting that if you get in your car after church and you go and turn on the radio station, you can get FM and, P, uh, you can get FM and AM. It's one radio, but two currencies. One life, two currencies, flesh and spirit. One radio, two currencies, two channels, AM and FM. One life, two fields, spirit and flesh. And every day, you are either so into the flesh, and the flesh is the desires. Listen to me. The flesh is the desires that is contrary to the will of God. The spirit is the desires that is in, in accordance to God's will. So every day, I make a decision. Am I so into the flesh? Because if I give into the desires of the flesh, in the end, my harvest is going to be corruption and death and decay. But if I make a decision to sow into the Spirit, then the end result is going to be life. Am I right about it? The end result is be life. You see, some things, listen to me, some things can't be changed. You've, we've sown and sowed. But you can start now and begin to change. You may not be able to change the past, but listen, listen to me. But that doesn't mean you need to keep adding to it. You may not be able to change everything in the past, but that doesn't mean you need to still add to it. You can change right now. You can make a decision that my life is going to be different because I'm changing the trajectory of my thoughts and my desires. Now, get this. The law of gravity, what comes up? Everybody look up here. What comes up? What, what's up must come down. Doesn't matter whether you believe in it. It's still going to work. But did you know there's another law in the universe? Well, actually, it's really not a law. It's aerodynamics. Do you know what aerodynamics is? Aerodynamics simply states this. Get this. Aerodynamics states this. That when an object moves at a certain speed, at a certain thrust, what does it do? It counter-reacts. It, it, it transcends the law of gravity. Now, hold on. The law of aerodynamic states that if you go at a certain speed with a certain thrust, you can transcend the law of gravity without changing the law. I'm going to say that again. Don't lose me. The law of aerodynamics states this, that when an object is moving at a certain speed, at a certain thrust, it can transcend the law of gravity without changing it. In other words, it overrides the law of gravity. 
In other words, the, the law of the flesh is the law of gravity. That whatever I sow, it's going to come back. There's a falling in my life. There's death in my life. But walking in the Spirit is the law of aerodynamics. That I cannot change the sin nature. I can't change the sin in the world. I can't change all of that. But I can transcend that law if I go at a certain speed, at a certain thrust. In reality, we're saying we're not changing the law of the flesh. It's here. There are desires in us that will never change. It's there. But you can transcend the law of the flesh by realizing that the law of aerodynamics simply states that if I go at a certain speed, at a certain thrust, I can transcend the law of gravity. And I said that to say this, that we as a church is called to come up another level to aerodynamics and let's go at a certain speed. Let's go at a certain thrust and let's transcend the law of the flesh. hear me? That says that we're not ignoring that there's a problem. It just means that aerodynamics simply states that we're overriding and transcending the law of gravity. We're going to go at a certain speed. Go at a certain thrust. We're going to continue to plant even in the face of nothingness because even when you don't see results, that doesn't mean that God is not working. And I'm telling you today, God is at work. I'm telling you today that God is good. I'm telling you today that God is for us. I'm telling you today that our future is better than what you think, that God is fighting for us. Us. Is there anybody that can sow a little bit of praise in the spirit world? Is there anybody that can sow a little bit of praise? Is there anybody that can sow a little bit of prayer? Is there anybody that can sow a little bit of shouting? Is there anybody that can wave your hand? Is there anybody that can sow some seeds in the spirit world so that we can reap a harvest beyond our imagination? Hallelujah! Sowing seed. It's the law of whatever. Because whatever a man sows, he can reap. But the good thing is, is I can't change everything in the past, but I can start now. And my future can be changed. I can transcend the law of gravity. And I can go at a certain speed, at a certain thrust. How do I know I'm growing spiritually? You know you're growing spiritually when your desires and affections are changed. That's how you know you're growing. When your desires and your affections are changing, you know you're growing. It's not about knowing Hebrew and Greek and knowing all the scriptures. That's good. But you know you're growing when your desires are changing. Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? I said, did you enjoy the word of the Lord today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as we get ready to close, I want us to do a, a, a church-wide prayer. How many would get out of your seat and say, Pastor, I'm going to be intentional about sowing the right seeds. Amen. I can't change everything in the past. I don't need, you don't need to worry about it. But today, I'm going to make a decision to do the right seeds. Would you get out of your seat? Worship team, would you come? Amen. I want us to sing the Elevation song. Uh, he's rising me up, lifting me up, elevating me. The Easter song that you did. Amen. Would you get out of your seat and come forward? Amen. Come forward this morning before we are dismissed and go home. Amen. How many wants to sow good seed today? Hallelujah. Come on. I said, how many wants to sow good seed today? So, can I say this? How many years have we been praying on Wednesday nights? Two to three years. Get this, we've been praying two to three years on Wednesday nights. That's a lot of seed. 
That, that should make you shout right there. I said, that's a lot of seed that we've been sowing in the atmosphere. Some of you have been doing it personally. That's why you can't give up in the face of nothingness. God is a God that rewards His people. Those who diligently seek Him, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to do something because whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Whatever he sows, he shall also reap. Amen. Amen. Whatever he sows, that he shall also reap. You know, that brings a lot of encouragement because that means the little things that we do that we think that nobody sees, it's a little seed that's been planted. God sees, and there's going to be a harvest that will come. Amen? Amen. There's a harvest that's coming. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father, that you're good. You're gracious and you're kind. I thank you, Father, for Christ Point Church. I prophesy, decree, declare your blessings that whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And Father, I thank you for encouragement and strength today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it. That you are a promise keeper. I thank you that you never go back on your word. I thank you that you're always faithful. I thank you that if, if, if you said it, we can bank on it today. I thank you that you are drawing together a group of people here. That your spirit is here. Father, that you're doing something beyond what we could see or imagine. And I thank you for those who feel discouraged this morning, that your spirit would encourage them to continue even in the face of nothingness today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.